Snippet, the short podcast platform. Welcome to Hindsight, a podcast that aims to learn from our elder generation, the silent generation, also known as the greatest generation. Those born as early as 1920 up to 1945. We ask them about their lives, to share their wisdom, and to teach us youngins a lesson or two that they learned along the way. This show aims to capture the thoughts, stories, and adventures from people who have seen it all. I came up with this show idea a couple years ago when I lost my 105-year-old great-grandmother. She was one of the oldest living people in Arkansas where she lived and passed away. She had been on the Smucker's Jar five times. She had a letter from the president. Al Roker had her on the Today Show. And it dawned on me, I had next to nothing of hers collected in the last years of her life. A treasure trove of information and memories covering more than a century gone. I thought that was a huge shame and I wanted to make sure other families didn't suffer that same fate. From Snippet, the short podcast platform, I'm Tyler Russell, and this is Hindsight. Today on the show, Norman Joe Bush. Name's Joe Bush, USH, just like the ex-presidents. Joe is 91 years old. He was born in Brooklyn, New York, and raised in Queens, as you can tell by his accent. My hearing isn't that great, so she can interpret. (laughs) Joe now lives in Aegis Nursing Home in Dana Point, California. It took a lot of back and forth during COVID times to set up this interview. If you need to move it closer or anything, you know, let us, Tyler, just be honest with us on sound. But the nursing staff over there was extremely helpful and persistent and found the utmost of interesting subjects for us to talk about on the show in Joe Bush. So, So it's strictly on the radio, though. Is that right? It's strictly on FM? At the beginning of this interview, you can hear us fiddling around with the audio. Joe, do you want to test it out and start talking a little bit? Sure. What do you want to hear? That's better. That's a lot better. Just to paint the picture here, the nurse has gone into Joe's room, set up the laptop, hooked it up to his TV so I'm projected to him on the big screen. They've set him down in his comfy reclining chair. He's wearing a long-sleeve plaid shirt with a green v-neck vest. He's got wide-rimmed square glasses. And to top off the look, a classic beige-colored beret hat. And next to him, some trophies he's won over the years, some model planes. You'll hear why in a bit. I mean, Joe just looks excited to share these things from his life. I got a lot of bad advice. (laughs) What not to do. Kind of reminds you why we're doing this show, right? I mean, who stops to ask these questions? Why aren't we asking these questions? Let's hear from Joe about who he is. Name's Joe Bush, and I was born in Brooklyn, but I never lived there. Lived in Queens for about 16 years. My dad retired and went back to his where his boyhood was in upstate New York. High school in Manhattan, and I got my high school degree, and I had planned to go into the Air Force all along, so I spent the summer working, and then on September 1 of 1948, I joined the Air Force. Joe's never been a stranger to hard work. As a kid, he and his buddies would gather water in pails and sell it to the families of those visiting graves with flowers. He would even provide upkeep of those flowers for a few cents a week. During World War II, when many young husbands were called away, 
Joe saw it as an opportunity and took up odd jobs like mowing the lawn, raking, trimming hedges, and in the winter, shoveling snow. He even became a newspaper boy, delivering the Long Island Press. He played sports like football and basketball, but his favorite was always baseball. As the war was coming to an end, he decided he would go to the School of Industrial Arts with the goal of becoming a draftsman. That's what ultimately led to him joining the Air Force, and eventually, he would serve in a war himself. The Korean War broke out about that time. I enlisted for three years. All enlistees for three years got extended another year. We were then scheduled to go overseas, and we thought we'd go to Japan or Korea. We went to England. Service mm. <laughs> <laughs> there <was> great. <laughs> I really highly recommend for the younger guys thinking about joining one of the services. A lot of people really don't know what they want when they go to college anyway. Get a better feel. If you don't jump on to college right away, you get a better feel of what things are all about in the service. When Joe first joined the Air Force, the Air Force was one year old. It was September 18, 1947, that President Truman made it its own established branch of the military. And although Joe was a hard worker and he loved his job there, he did have one major distraction. When I first went into the Air Force at Hamilton Field, I worked in an engineering office doing drafting work. Ran into a little problem there, though. I also like to play baseball. Almost every base has a baseball team. So I went out for the baseball team and made it. So I was pulled away from the office on numerous occasions because we either had a practice or we had a game. And the officer in charge of that was very unhappy about me disappearing so many times. I was quite good. The first year, being a younger guy on the team, I was pitching, okay? The problem was when you pitch, you don't get into every game, or if you get into a game, maybe you're in one or two innings, okay? I would say they were better than maybe college-level teams at the bases. You had a lot to pick from. My pitch was about breaking ball. I'd throw that ball right at the batter, and he'd be backing out and then break across the inside of the plate. Cool. That was my real good pitch. We played a lot of different teams. At Walla Walla, Washington, it's a prison. <laughs> we played against the prisons. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me why. I'm out in center field. I got convicts walking in front of me, behind me, and I'm over the place. <laughs> so, and you know what? I think we lost the game. <laughs> As mentioned, Joe ended up in England when the Korean War broke out. Which was great. England is a nice place. It was there that perhaps the most important thing of his life occurred. That's where I met my wife in England. Uh, we got engaged just before I got sent back. After being discharged, he had to move away from his then fiance Jill. He moved back to Manhattan for an overnight contracting gig. Worked in downtown Manhattan on a job that went from 6 o'clock in the evening six o'clock the next morning. It made him enough money he could move back to England, propose to her, get married, and live together in Britain. And I worked in uh, auto AC motors, which built automobiles. And that worked out fine. After a year, he said, let's go back to the States. So back Joe went to New York, this time with his wife, and this time upstate. Low key living, there wasn't much to do. They were building a throughway from New York all the way up to Albany and then over to Buffalo. And the sections were broken up to different contractors. I got a job through them. 
I was working on uh, the road work and also bridge work with them. All of this experience in engineering led to Joe's brother-in-law suggesting him for a job with North American Aviation, all the way across the country in Downey, California. He got the job, he and Jill moved out west, and he started his long career in aerospace. I spent 35 years working in it. I started out as a draftsman, and after a while I got to be a designer, and after a number of years further, I got to be a, a specialist in avionics installation. At this point in the conversation, Joe reaches for one of the model planes next to him, and he starts showing me his favorite parts of the aircraft and what exactly he worked on. The part, part of the aircraft that I was mainly involved with was where all electronics up here in the nose. Can you see where uh -huh. all electronics, as well as the cockpit, as well as some equipment behind the cockpit. That was my specialty. Well, it's not easy to sum up a man's 50-plus-year career in two minutes, but I think we just successfully did it. Let's have Joe address the thesis of this show. He talked about his whole career, he talked about how it made him happy, and he enjoyed the work, but how? What is his advice on choosing a career and staying happy with it for so long? Well, you got to start somewhere, okay? And it would be the same thing, and it would matter where you go. you got to start somewhere. It just find something that you like to do. It's got to be something that you're really interested in and like to do. You'll move upwards, though, you know? The company will appreciate it. You will get better at it. And you more than likely have people around you that you like. Because if you don't have people around you that you like and they're out there tackling, you're not going to like the job. Well, sounds simple enough. Start somewhere, like the work, and like especially the people you work with. Hindsight, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Hindsight, aiming to learn from the stories and the past of our elder generations. When we left off, Norman Joe Bush had regaled us of his long, successful career as an aerospace engineer. Now we're going to transition to some more personal, emotional things. Let's start with the story of soldier and hairdresser, Yankee and Brit, eventually man and wife, Joe and Jill. She lived in Bromley, Kent, England, which is about... 25 miles south of London. And I was stationed up at a place called Bentwaters, which is about 75 miles north of London. We met at a, a friend of mine was met a girl at a dance or so. And he was invited to go down to her house. He wasn't too keen on just going down there on his own. So he got me to go down with him. And that's where I was then introduced to a girl named Jill, who was a friend of this Marjorie White. So I thought, she's a nice girl, I like her. But that was as far as it went. Jill was gonna have a birthday party before the end of the year. And Mike and I got invited to it. So we went to her birthday party. I thought it was fine. 
So we were there, it was New Year, it was coming up. So Mike and Marjorie, myself and Joe, we decided we we're going to go out to a place out, the Grasshopper Inn it was called. So we got out there by bus, we didn't have cars, you know. And that evening turned out to be very good. We really got to liking, I got to really liking Jill at that point. After meeting her there and going through this, I thought, well, she's, she's really the one. <laughs> and like I said before, about five months later, we got engaged. Wow. And then I came back to the States. 66 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We didn't have a big family. I just had one daughter. My daughter's had two grandchildren. Give us some... I don't know, some insight on how on earth you be married happily for 66 years. How does anybody do that? The big thing is you're on the same track together, okay? You're not working against each other. You know, we went through a number of homes in that time, and we always kind of moved up regarding homes. And when we had our daughter, it's that even binds you even more. Now you got some family, you know? How do you do that for 60? Well, first of all, you stay alive at least for that <laughs> length of time. Important <laughs> part. <laughs> we just uh, went well together, okay? Even though she was English and I'm American, it went well. In April of 2019, Jill sadly passed away. To put it mildly, it hasn't been easy for Joe since she's been gone. Uh, the first year was terrible, missing her, yeah. Yeah, I really had a bad time. You know, we just, we were soulmates, you might say. And we got on, I lost her. It was tough. Do you believe you'll see her again? I hope so. You know, I have to think of that. Whether I will or not, who knows? Who knows? Nobody's come back to tell us that now. <laughs> Who knows what's in the future? Yeah. I don't. But yes, to answer your question, I hope so. Let's see if we can wipe off our tear covered listening devices now and finish off our first episode of Hindsight with some lighter subjects. Day in the life, then verse now. Let's first hear Joe describe what a day in the life is like today, living solo in the nursing home. Since we've, this virus thing happened, we're still kind of tied down. We really haven't been, we're out of our rooms, but we're still confined to the building and the courtyard out here. We're hoping we'll go back to where we were, where you could take walks in the area. But down short, down there's a viewpoint that we'd walk down, look at the ocean, look at the islands, watch the birds. No big deal, but at least it gets you outside. We do have activities here that some are good and some aren't so good. <laughs> the best one we like, the best one, is we have uh, what we call a bowl session, Tuesdays and Fridays. And we talk about anything and everything. And I got a good idea for Friday, by the way. <laughs> So what do you do? What's a what's a bull session? Well, there's more than you know what comes after bull normally. The BS. Got it. Which is actually a perfect transition to the next part of our day in the life then and now, because one of the things they like to BS about 
is what it was like when they were kids. Here's Joe telling us what was one of his most perfect days back when he was just eight years old. Eight years old, okay, living in the Queens in the New York area. Big baseball fan, New York Yankees, right? Yankees always had powerful teams back then. My dad took my brother and myself to my, my first game in the Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium. And we sat way out in the bleachers, you know. Must have cost about 50 cents a seat back then. <laughs> we went to the ballpark. You know, hot dogs were like 10 cents each. And I, I remembered who played the game. I'm eight years old, right? I could name, name all the players that were on the game. But when we get to one, there was one special player. Anyway, Bill Dickey was a catcher. Red Ralph was a third baseman. King Kong Keller was the left fielder. Center fielder was Joe DiMaggio. Right fielder was Tommy Hendricks. The pitcher was Charlie Ruffing. Actually, they called him Red, Red Ruffing. And the player on first base, who I haven't mentioned, a player called Lou Gehrig. And he was still healthy in 1938. So what more could you want? Order a ball game, see the team you like to play. They won both ends of the doubleheader and see the players you, you like. So that's my special day. I that. love that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so here, let me put you on the spot with this one. What would be your perfect day today? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Joe goes on to lament that not having a car anymore comes second only to the loss of his wife. He says his daughter won't let him drive anymore, even though he's got one year left before his driver's license expires. Joe and I talked for a little bit longer about his advanced age. He asked how many people you know over 90, how many over 100. He marveled that modern medicine has kept him around this long. He says he really doesn't feel like he has much left to do, and he feels happy and lucky with the life that he led. As far as what he thinks will happen after he goes, well, he had this to say. Don't know. You know. Yeah. I guess if I was very religious, I'd say, yeah, you go either go to heaven or do you go to hell? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you go nowhere. I don't know. Don't know. Can't help you. <laughs> do you feel like you've done everything you want to have done? Do you have any regrets? When you look at the whole picture, no, I had some very good things happen. You know, I've been lucky from, from that staff, lucky or whatever you thought. Fortunate's a better word. But my only really downer is what you talked about is my wife's passing. I wish she still could be here. I think that goes to show you if we could summarize Norman Joe Bush's advice looking at the loss of his wife as the only true tragedy in his life. It's the same advice he gave us for career and family and military. It's not the things you fill yourself up with. It's not the money and it's not even the driver's license. It's the quality relationships you make and the people that you're lucky enough to call family. Hindsight is a production of Snippet in Orange County, California. In this episode, interviewing, editing, production, and sound design, all done by me, Tyler Russell. Although I'm going to need some help going forward. All original music by Jonathan Rock. Thanks again to the nursing staff at Aegis Nursing Home in Dana Point, California, and to our new friend, Norman Joe Bush. It's been fun. You can follow Snippet on social media, at snippet.fm. 
And we'd be honored for you to check out more short podcasts you'll love at the URL snippet.fm. Well, Joe, if you have yeah. any if you have any friends in the home there that that would want to do this, I'd I'd be willing to talk to anybody. Yeah. So you can tell me later if you, if you guys think of anybody, but yeah. I, I wouldn't, I would not, there's somebody I would not recommend though. <laughs> Although they got interesting background. <laughs> All you hear about is their skiing trips. And you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs>